I see. Our table. So you are listening live. It is WPRK 91.5 FM, and it's your girl, Barbara Chanlick, here. Our seat, our table, the Leadership Lounge. Uh, good morning. Happy Friday. I hope everyone is doing well and preparing for a long week. Thanksgiving is approaching us. As we think about Thanksgiving, we think about our families. We think about those who may not have. So in preparing your meals and preparing for Thanksgiving, make sure that you are preparing for someone that may be without. So once again, we want to welcome each and every one of you to our seat, our table. This is our second season and second show. We started about started about two years ago. And Our Seat, Our Table, as the name says, it was for communities, black and brown communities that do not have a voice, that do not have a platform. And we know we have a lot of people that are doing a lot of grassroots leadership, grassroots mentoring, and we wanted to create a platform in which to bring those voices to the forefront. It's so good to be able to partner with Rollins WPRK. We want to thank them so much for giving us this platform that we're able to also share with everyone. So most of you know me as the uh, manager with the Hannibal Square Heritage Center and, of course, also a partner uh, with with WPRK as well. So um, last night we did Taste of Hannibal Square And for those of you who were there, we thank you so much for your support. Tastes of Hannibal Square was where, of course, the restaurants in historic Hannibal Square, we had about four or five different restaurants. Each had a different sampling of what they had to offer, and it was delicious. The lines were long. The street was filled. There was music. People were smiling. Um, This one lady told me she is so happy to be there that she could support us. So we want to thank you all so much for your support. We did very well, uh, especially since um, something like this has not been done in probably over five or six years in Hannibal Square. We want to thank the coordinators of this, uh, Pragas and Ramirez. And if you were joining us last week, Pragas was on with us, as well as Trevor Brown and Salee and all the other vendors that all the other merchants that took um, initiative in making sure that this was successful. The Hannibal Square Heritage Center was the uh, benefactor in this. The proceeds come back to the Heritage Center, and we are able to continue to do our community programming, arts, um, uh, arts outreach, and just make arts much more inclusive for everyone. As we say, arts is for everyone. The Hannibal Square Heritage Center is a program of Creality School of Art uh, located in West Winter Park. So just a few things coming up this Saturday for those who, uh, of you who may not have already done the walk-in tour, the Hannibal Square walk-in tour with Fairland Livingston. That will happen this Saturday beginning at 10 o'clock. It's maybe um, within a mile, so we always say wear comfortable shoes, 1.5 miles, give or take. I'm sorry, it's about an hour and a half, not 1.5. 1.5 as far as the duration, within a mile. Farrellyn Livingston is the chief historian, born and raised in that community, and she takes you there. She points out the historic landmarks. She talks about who was there, the people, the contributions that they made to uh, Winter Park and it, 
its totality. And um, and then, of course, you get to come into the Heritage Center and see the photographs of the people who made up this community. So once again, you are listening to Our Seat, Our Table, Barbara Chandler. And do I have some special people with me today? I drug everybody out of their bed. 9 o'clock, 8.30. I say be here at 8.30. Be ready to go. Kalani is behind the boards with us. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, we have a fantastic show for you. Arts and architecture. Arts and architecture. I think this is a um, a fair subject as we live in Winter Park uh, in uh, here at Rollins, where the architecture is absolutely so beautiful. Here we have the new uh, Winter Park Public uh, Winter Park Public Library and event center, and that was done by a uh, very notable um, architect. So who else better to talk architect than Bam? Black Architects in the Making. Joining me today, I have Malcolm Jones and Cameron Hoskins. So they're going to be talking to us about architecture, and they're also going to be talking to you about the program that they have here locally. A lot of you may have um, uh, seen their exhibition at the Science Center, Orlando Science Center. They've also done some wonderful things with Casa Feliz, and they continue to make a statement in the community for children by the program. Uh, with the program that they offer. Uh, you can also find them, BAM, B-A-M, Orlando.org, okay? So go, uh, throughout the day, uh, throughout this program, you will hear us throw out where you can find, where you can connect, and uh, absolutely where you can support. We need programs like this, and we need the people who are running these programs, um, and we need them to be sustained. And then, who else can I talk arts with? Who else? Patrick knows. <laughs> Patrick knows. Patrick knows is here with us. Patrick knows is known throughout Central Florida. Patrick is an international artist, um, Haitian artist, and and I'm gonna we're gonna talk about a bit of that. How um, identity plays a role in arts. Uh, Patrick, everybody says your name, and then they connect Haitian with it. So we got to talk about Haitian artists and and how that connection is so. Um, prevalent when we especially talk about you. Um, but Patrick knows it's also the lead curator. He was just announced maybe a month now, a month or two, a month and a half ago. A a half ago. Um, he's the lead curator with Creoldi School of Arts. So we are so excited to have you joining me today. And thank you all for, for waking up so early and, and coming over. So I, I'm always some people. I'm always some people. So first of all, we definitely want to um, find out more about BAM Orlando. This is just a phenomenal program and what you all are doing especially in this social climate, um, given, um, how do we say this, uh, marginalized students, an opportunity to learn about architecture and possibly change the trajectory of their lives, I think this is, is life-changing. So um, let's begin with Malcolm Cameron. Just jump in and tell us more about BAM Orlando. How did it come about? Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm gonna start off by saying, uh, "You lucky, I love you, Miss Barbie." The only reason why I'm out here this early. Um, Meanwhile, but, I'm a morning person. Right, yeah. um, but no, so uh, Black Architects in the Making, Orlando is our specific chapter. Uh, but just a quick backstory: 2016, uh, Black Architects in the Making was founded by a gentleman named Craig Akar. Uh, he is a Black architect in Miami, 
And when I was at FIU, uh, which is a university down in Miami, for those who don't know, uh, I volunteered with the program. And when I graduated in 2018, he charged me with bringing it here to Orlando with me. And so I, wow. I took up the helm and I did just that. Um, so uh, I laid some groundwork in that September. I think I hear in, in May, laid some groundwork in September. And we hit the ground running and we've been kind of thriving ever since. So the whole premise is to um, introduce architecture simply. Um, we're not looking to be a school of architecture per se. Mm. Uh, we're just looking to be a condo and an outlet uh, for these students, as you mentioned, who uh, don't have that um, the means, the access, uh, may have never heard of architecture. Mm. Um, and we want to be able to be that uh, bridge between the two and just showing that there's opportunities out there. And uh, quite frankly, um, even though we would love for them to all become architects, if they do not choose to do so, as long as we show them something else that's a possibility, then we're happy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Malcolm, when did you know you wanted to become an architect? Uh, let's see, somewhere between elementary school and and my mom keep tell, kept telling me I was going to be an architect. Uh, <laughs> I, I give my mom the credit every time on this because uh, so I would be uh, just – on the ground, finding random things to pick up and putting stuff together, or I'll play with connect. I like to build things. Mm. And, you know, architects don't necessarily build, per se, right? That's the construction side. However, uh, in her mind, that equated to architecture. So every time, every chance she got, she literally kept telling me, you're going to be an architect. Wow. And so it just stuck with me, um, and I just kind of carried that out. So when, when I got to high school, my high school had a drafting and design program. Um, and then I just stuck with it all the way through college. Yeah. Positive, reinflu- um, positive reinforcement. Yes, ma'am. Um, seeing a skill and saying this is. And so then you start to um, accept that. You start to say, hey, I am going to be an architect. Absolutely. So tell us about you, Cameron, and how you came into the picture of BAM Orlando. So um, I had uh, actually came over from uh, from Germany. I was living in Germany for a little bit. And then um, I came to Orlando. Um, there was a big project, the airport project. Um, I got my feet wet with Orlando, but I always knew that I wanted to do something that involved the community. And um, I had been working with another firm at the time, and um, I was introduced um, um, to this uh, woman who said, if you're trying to get into the community and things like this, I know an excellent guy who's doing his thing in the community. So... Exo facto. I mean, Malcolm. <laughs> um, we sit down, we have a chat. He's telling me everything about BAM. And I'm like, hey, I'm on board because this is something that I can attach myself to. Um, like he was saying, we're trying to be become that, that catalyst yes. to um, the younger generation um, and also giving a sense of agency. So knowledge is power. So what I look at is seeing all those those kids and things like that and seeing their progression and doing something that people thought they really couldn't do. Exactly. So that's how it kind of got started. I started out as a volunteer. Um, I was there for about four months and then they had uh, <laughs> they had like a um, what, do you, what do you what do you want to call it? Board open? Yeah. Board position open? <laughs> board position a open? A board yes. Were you voluntold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know how that works. With, with, good, with good intention, right? With yes. good intention. Yes. Cameron, when did you know that you wanted to be an architect? Well, it's kind of like the, the same little backstory. You know, we all got our superhero backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine, I was building stuff as well, but I had like a steel tech. Oh, wow. um, so a lot of mechanics and things go into that, but I had learned uh, sketching 
and uh, being an artist from both my parents because they could both draw. So like in elementary school, I would say like around third grade or so, I already had like my my artwork um, as you go in the elementary school building, hanging up all over the walls and things like that. So they knew I could draw. But then my mom kept telling me how detail oriented I was. Right. So I would take like buildings and things like that and sit and just sketch it. Um, and then I had uh, to choose between um, uh, wood shop class or CAD class. Mm. So there were no openings in wood shop, so I ended up in a CAD <laughs> class. And my competitive nature, I wanted to get the highest grade in the class, and then it just followed me on through. So it became me. Right, right. So again, the positive reinforcement, yes. having parents who saw your skills and your talents and pushing you in that that direction where a lot of times um, we know in black and brown communities, it's what we don't know. So therefore, we don't know what to say to our children when they're mm-hmm. um, um, exploring and doing these things. So both of you had that. And for you now to be able to say, listen, this is what we're going to bring to the community that fills so many voids and so many gaps. So tell us the history of black architecture or black architects in the United States. You want me to take that away? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pull a straw. Yeah. Um, so let's see the history of black architects in the United States. Um, I, as far as names are concerned, this is the guy who he pointed at me in the first place. Cause he's actually a history buff when it comes to actual architecture. Um, but I can say the, if I could spin it a little bit and I could say the issue that architecture actually has calls for black and brown people in the United States and then how that could, has mm-hmm. needs to be addressed and has been addressed in some cases. But um, you end up, uh, you know, your terms like redlining, uh, you know, you have the projects, things of that nature, right? Um, and architecture, even with segregation, architecture can be used for many facets and then unfortunately it can be used for bad, very, very bad things, right? So, uh, the way you lay out a space, right? The the uh, just something as simple as the entrances, the de- designations of an entrance, right? Yes. Um, you know, you get this main grandiose entrance for certain people of color, and then you get this uh, off to the side entrance of of people who are are uh, look like us, right? right? And um, you know that that feeling that that evokes alone, it, mm. you know, can cause an issue. Or then you get um, things like you know you bring in the infrastructure like highways and whatnot that literally cut through entire cities um, and, and, and what have you, and, and literally draw a hard line that separates uh, the individuals from uh, one another. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and, and different things like that. So um, as I, I'm more so, um, I'm I, like I said, I'm not that history guy. They just give you names on top of names. Um, <laughs> I'm actually not that. I'm, I'm the weird architect that doesn't know how to design beautifully. I can just make it's <laughs> all subject. But I make I like to make things make sense. And that's right. all I, that's what I pride myself on. I am very technical. Uh, I like mm. to look at something and understand how it goes together. And I think that's really where it came like when I uh, kind of going back to when I was a child, you know, cause I like to play with connects and Legos and whatnot and I'll I'll literally sit there and read the instructions line by line and make sure I got it to a T. And if right. I miss a step, I have to go all the way back. That's always been me and right. I think it's always gonna be me. And so um that's my kind of uh um, st- focus uh, when it comes to architecture, and so for me, a lot of these, the uh, the downfalls and the negatives that can come from architecture that doesn't make sense to me. Oh, okay. and so it's my job to make it make sense. Make it make sense. You know, make it accessible. 
make it inclusive. That's what I'm hearing. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that was it. So so I talked about this guy, if you want to actually get to some more (laughs) (laughs) history, actually, you know. So um, what I can add to that is um, I think there are a great deal of black architects in America that has shaped America, how we perceive buildings, how we look at it in detailed manners. Um, But there are a lot of unsung heroes. Right. You know, so just even now, just off the top of my head, I wouldn't be able to name the ones in America. Mm -hmm. But I know them. I know their buildings. I know their works. It's just names slip my mind kind of thing. And that's what we're here to kind of correct. Correct. So that way that the kids coming up, they learn the history, they learn how impactful everybody has been in history and what they have contributed. Because a lot of times, um, like say, for uh, instance, in Memphis, you can um, even dealing with the um, African-American Museum in D.C. with Phil Freelong. That's a name that (laughs) you see, they just pop up in conversation. (laughs) But. When you deal with that, there's a, a lot of things that people contributed, and we want to celebrate that. So not only, bam, teaching kids, we also want to celebrate the people of color and things that have actually contributed to shaping America and the building style. Because mm-hmm. our style is different than Europe. Like, Correct. We have a different style. Correct. Let me, let me Correct. piggyback on, and, and I think this highlights uh, one of the issues that we're, we are working to correct. So if you would have asked me to give you some history on white architects in America. Mm-hmm. I could have just started pulling out names like Frank Lloyd Wright, Frank Gehry. So, but these are the things that were taught in school. Right. Like yep. literally, I just, I can give you a, a much longer list than that, and none of them are black architects. That's right. And as unfortunate as it is, as Cameron said, I mean, I, you know, we had our exhibit, as you mentioned, yes. and I, I would need to go back and read that exhibit to refresh my memory, because at this, at my age, at, yeah. even though I'm still <laughs> yeah, young, but at this age, I don't remember things more right. than five minutes, quite frankly. Right. But right. I can give you more recent black architects that I could, I work with them and I interact with them mm-hmm. on a regular basis, like Dan Kirby, Tim Johnson, yep. uh, you know, just, and this is Orlando, but Craig yes. Carter that I mentioned, but like we, you know, we have a lot of these, uh, I call them seasoned, I like to call them seasoned, you know, they're, they're very, um, uh, well into their craft, uh, but they've been doing it for maybe 10, 15 plus years. So it's not necessarily, you know, your, you know, 1920s and eight, early, right. late 1800s architects. Um, uh, but they they do exist in, in, in a certain capacity. And, and um, you know, and so our job is to continue to teach ourselves and, 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 you know, learn more and then hopefully impart that information as much as we can. Yeah. Um, so. We're lucky to have you all in the community with this program. So when the um, exhibition, when your exhibition was at the Heritage Center, and as you stated, we understand we can't remember the names, but mm-hmm. we do remember the places. For yes. me, mm-hmm. um, Rosemont Elementary. Uh, mm-hmm. The other day I was speaking with my son who'd come by and he'd seen the exhibition and we were speaking about something and he says, my kids don't even, as a teacher, my kids don't even know who have built the school that they're in. Mm-hmm. DePew Nursing Home, which yeah. is in um, Winter Park, West Winter Park, is also by, I can't remember the name, I, I see his face um, per the uh, billboard, but we don't even know who, and, and remember one of the things about living in community that's how we identify places. You know the building with the da 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 da, mm-hmm. and that kind of shapes how we talk and 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 feel like we belong to that community. Absolutely right. So l- let's move over to Patrick really quick. 
Patrick is an artist. Patrick has probably been, he comes from a legacy of um, artists, and he's going to tell us a bit about that uh, because we want to see where the arts and the architecture intersect. So Patrick knows, Patrick knows. Um, again, whenever someone mentions your name, they identify you as a Haitian artist. They always make that linkage to make it clear that he's not just a American artist. This is a Haitian artist. So Patrick, tell us about a bit of yourself and where the linkage. Why is that so important or is it that important? Hello everybody. <laughs> it's an honor to be here today and it's interesting as I listen to the conversation uh, with the architects and not knowing uh, uh, the architects who've made an achievement uh, that are of color. It falls in the same category with arts, with with with, with artists, um, um, because architects, in a sense, in a, in a, in a way, are artists, uh, except our canvases are different. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you go back into history and and ask yourself, who whom can I relate to as a artist, <clears throat> as an artist of color, you find yourself relating to Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo. Anyone you feel you, you maybe your style is close to. So I always say we now, and as you are doing, have the ability to change that. Because um, until today, I, I've met you, and from what you speak of, I can tell you a person who's going to be part of history. Because now a child can, can use you as a mentor to say, Malcolm, I learned this from something I've seen. Uh, as a as an artist, I, I am first an artist. I'm first man and then artist, as uh, as uh, Sidney Poitier said. Um, uh, for so long, our our abilities as artists have been kept uh, almost hidden, right? But as uh, one of the advantages I have is that my grandfather he revolutionized the uh, sculpture the method of wood carving in Haiti. He was very popular, very famous, if you will, in, uh, in his own right in that country. Transferred that to my father, who kept the legacy going. But my father thought I needed to carry that legacy. I had no idea I wanted to be an artist. Um, and I still often time, I say, oh man, I can't draw that good. I, I'm, not, I'm not that great of a painter. But when I, because my, my mother's side wanted me to be a, a lawyer, so I could take over the school that we we had started in my country where I was born. Not necessarily Haiti, but Jeremy, which is where I was born. Uh, but when I came to America, now mind you, in my country I don't have a problem. I didn't even know I was what color I am because we never have that issue, you know. But um, I know I was a black person, but I didn't think it made a difference into what I do. So when I went to Pratt Institute where I studied art, all the artists were Europeans or, and funny, even white American artists are rarely made a big deal of, out of, except for a few. If I say Norman Rockwell, you're gonna know that. <laughs> but there, even in art history, the Caucasian artists, because of the European influence and the majority of the immigrants here, and mind you, I said immigrant, mm -hmm. because the majority of the white folks here 
are immigrants. So by saying Europe is the great capital of art, you've included them automatically. So how does a black artist find themselves some relevance, right? So remember, we live in a country, America, I've been here since 1976, and Jim Crow, even when I studied art, I was the only black person in that art class. Although the school was uh, Pratt Institute School of Engineering and Science, we had black students in engineering, but not painting, not because it was like, you know, you're going to starve. <laughs> if a white person is starving, you're going to just die of starvation, <laughs> you know? But we had no, no one to, to say, I, I want to be like, you know? Yeah. They, we didn't have an example. We didn't have a, a mentor. Or representation. Or representation or in the arts. Um, throughout history, art is the universal, universal language of the world. An architect. Uh, when, when, when you think of the great architectural structures, uh, Constantine the Great, for example, started including art with architects to create churches because he thought the two together romanticize the religion of which he was following. But never, even, there was a film, uh, a Brazilian film made about the Bible, right? The entire history of the Bible in the entire film, which to me was weird because Brazil is the most is where the most uh, black people were taken as a whole as a as a in slavery time, and you have an entire history of 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 Bible of the Bible, but you have no person of color in your entire history, <laughs> you know. Um, so to show you that how the world is trying, I hope I'm not taking too long. No, no, no. To show you how the world is trying to omit. An entire race of people. Uh, to give you a short story, I, I was sitting in a classroom at Pratt Institute, and and the professor was showing art that are of Renaissance, art that are anatomically correct. Right. When he came to the African paintings or African sculptures, he says, "These are are naive, mind you. He didn't say primitive. He said these are naive because the artist." didn't have any knowledge of what he was doing. He just did it by accident. <laughs> and then suddenly he showed a slide. Back then the slide, you had to hurry up, otherwise it started burning. Uh, he, ha, he showed a, a slide of a perfect anatomy of a bust. And he, fra, he flipped it. He didn't he ka, ka, he turn the thing so nobody commented. I raised my hand. I said, Professor, can you go back, please? He says to me, no, I can't go back because the slide will burn. <laughs> So I said, please go back because I want to point something out to you because you say this person doesn't know anatomy and this is as perfect as the one you've shown from Europe. What is the difference? <laughs> he turned it again. I don't have time to say, well, I have time to ask you for a pink sleep to check out of your class. Because uh, art is so relevant and at the same time so scary for a person of color even people who are grown-ups, adults, talented, my God, have a fear of saying, I'm an artist, I can, can I display? They devalue their work because they don't feel it's good enough for society to accept. 
So now when, when the Harlem um, uh, Renaissance started, uh, when we, the black uh, community, started appreciating who we are, mind you, Jim Crow started going away. Because even when Jim Crow started going away, and even now in our society, we still, there's still barriers. Mm. But for the first time than ever, we, the people, have the ability to change it. We have become our own agents. We have become our own agents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. We we're not included in the, in, in the in the art history books. It's okay. And All I right. guess we have to be okay with that. We, we have, have to be, be okay, okay with, with that. But you know why we have to be okay with it? Because it is our responsibility. We, it is our responsibility to now uh, create our own history, our own recordation of our own society. So a child can say, oh, I want to be like Malcolm, right? I want to be like this gentleman. Because we have the ability to set the example. Yeah. Right. It's been missing. The right. missing link is now alive and well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alive and well and active. And active. Yeah. And that's why, again, our seat, our table, because I think if it's left up to the majority, it will seem as though we have not been making our own direct contributions. Exactly. And we have. We've always been agents in our community. It may not look the mainstream way, but again, we heard from Malcolm and Cameron, and their two commonalities were the fact that their positive reinforcement about becoming architecture, um, exploring more, um, it came directly from their parents. So while some sometimes in black and brown communities, Again, we don't know what we don't know just based on our uh, past trauma, but we're in a new age now where representation is showing up and how we get connected to programs such as, and we're going to talk about that, how we get connected to uh, programs such as BAM Orlando, how we get to, uh, connected to programs such as what you're doing, Patrick, which we want to learn more. I know you have a lot of projects coming up. I, I think that's even more important because, as, again, I guess um, in working at the Heritage Center and interacting with so many grassroots organizations, we do have the resources our uh, the thing becomes how do we disseminate information to let people know exactly how to get in touch with us how to support us so once again you're listening to wprk 91.5 fm this is our seat our table this is the leadership lounge and we are speaking to leaders in our community we have bam orlando with us they are um they are with the organization Black Architects in the Making, that's the acronym, BAM Orlando. Sitting here with us, we have Cameron Hoskins, uh, Malcolm Jones, and then representing our arts community, we have um, artists, curator, innovator, uh, Patrick does a world of things. Patrick is also, he paints on cars. You didn't even mention yeah. that. He paints <laughs> also on cars. He gets wrapped up in the history. So he does um, um, just a blend of everything. Um, so again, we're looking for where we intersect when we talk about arts and architect, because we know those are the things that shape our community and our culture. Whenever I go back to the Virgin Islands, one of the places I look for, St. Thomas that is, I look for the marketplace. 
I want to see the marketplace. That is uh, what's very familiar to me. I've spent um, hours there with my mother and my aunts where they were shopping and doing different commerce. Um, the building structure, there's a lot of that old Danish look. Um, when I go back, it's still there. And for me, that's so representational of, again, where I come from. So when we think of our inner city um, communities, and I, uh, when we think of our local inner city communities, and we think of the structures that are there, we think of the art that's there, we think of the uh, quality of structures that are there and how that impacts us. When we think about architect, how does that also speak to our culture? Yeah, so uh, I think I kind of touched on this a little earlier. So uh, it's very important um, to have a, a good quality of life, right? right? And that comes in different facets. Right? So health-wise, um, you know, just the, the leisure activities you have access to, things of that nature, right? And a lot of that uh, is very affected by architecture. Um, you know, the way things are even set up in the area. So we we have a term that we use a lot, eyes on the street, right? And um, that's for security purposes. And if you design a, a building in a way where it has minimal uh, access to uh, uh, a natural light coming in and, and, and views to allow you to see almost your entire surrounding, right? Um, you start to run into security issues. And, and so now air, air can be deemed dangerous, uh, right? It has uh, poor light, lighting, uh, street lighting um, in, the, in the evenings, or it has a lot of alleyways. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, duck off areas where stuff could transpire. Uh, you know, so those, uh, those things um, are all designed, you know, and, 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 and sometimes unintentional, but unfortunately, a lot of times it's very intentional, you know. Uh, and so, uh, it, and there's there's a lot of effort that's put in place to try to create what's called affordable housing, right? You know, because not everybody has the same means of access to capital and what have you, and it's very important. Uh, but it's a very um, uh, sensitive uh, thing to to do properly, and uh, uh, you know, as America is, we thrive off of our dollars, and everybody wants to make a penny, and of course, developers aren't just out here uh, being the most charitable people on earth <laughs> you know they they want to get a nice ROI on their on their investment so they have to a lot of times partner with the government to create a, a proper affordable housing um, so then it's in my opinion it's our job as architects to be the uh, the um, uh, the creators of a uh, viable product that's enjoyable that 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 is still affordable right like we'll we'll work with the developer and and, and and whomever else to come up with a product that they will won't be breaking the bank on uh, but the people that will be inhabiting it will have something that they can call home and they will be proud of exactly. and proud to and and um <laughs> to really reiterate on that story and I think I may have shared this with you. When the Winter Park Library was built, I was I was a hater. I'm gonna put it out there. I was a <laughs> hater. I was like, why is this building so big? And da, 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 da. and I did not understand what I was looking at. I mm -hmm. honestly did not. And I like to think I'm astute, but I was like, what what is this? And um, I remember one day I was in the park, the MLK Park. 
and there was an event or movie of some sort that was going to be shown at the library. And I said, well, you know what? I will just walk over because I was, I'm in walking distance. And in walking over to it and looking at the building, something started to happen. I started to like the way I was feeling walking up to the building. So when you speak about that quality of life, I totally had that experience. And it's easy, of course, to have that experience in Winter Park, but mm. I totally made the connection of what this, I felt proud. Mm -hmm. I felt um, I had a great view of it so I could see the details. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I wasn't seeing the details. It just looked like a big, awkward shaped building. So tell me what was happening to me. What was what was intrinsically happening to so me? So that's called invoking emotion. Um, so go. the thing <laughs> is, when you talk about because um, I know we touched on this uh, prior to about how that um, art and architecture collide. Mm -hmm. um, when you deal with an architect that um, we all go through architecture school, design one, design two, things like that. Those are the same things that, say, an artist would go through. You learn the fundamentals, okay. right? So while you're doing that, like he said before, we're the same. We're all artists just painting with a different canvas. Correct. So when you look at art, it's telling a story. You have something that everybody looks at. You invoke a certain emotion with the, the painting, whether it be um, a mural on a wall within a community whether it be on a car, yes. as you said, yeah. everything invokes a certain type of emotion and tells some type of story. Yeah. A mural can be a catalyst to an entire community. That's right. That can spark everything. You've got farmer's markets. You've That's got right. a gathering space, everything like that. You can invoke that same kind of emotion in architecture. So like when I was in Berlin, I was looking at Daniel Liebskin's building, mm -hmm. um, the uh, Jewish Museum. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out why he did what he did. So the the thing, and I critique his buildings, I, I critique a lot, even though he's like one of my favorites, um, but he invoked an emotion. Right. Though he um, took a piece of music, the Ombachstrasse, mm. one-way street, right? He took that and he elongated that and came up with the next stand because there was no music for the last stanza of that, the third act. So what ends up happening is that his representation of that piece of music. So he's invoking that same kind of emotion. Mm -hmm. So when you go inside the building, you're looking at a two-way street. Which way can I go? And then, as you said, playing with shadows and things like that and light, there's a light that comes in that you're trying to focus on, but you can't get to it. Uh, there's no way out. Wow. So now you're invoking emotions of being scared, trying to figure out which way to go. You don't know where to go, things like that. So... When you look at art and architecture, that's how they merge. Right. Now, it could be something as um, um, uh, simple as like a multifamily project or something like that. It can be a data center. But the whole thing is, what emotions are you evoking? You can be a, um, a data center type person, you know, engineer and stuff like that. But you'll still find the beauty. That's right. In the mechanics. That's right. So that's. That's a form of art as well. So that's, a form of that, art. that's how they all yeah. mix together. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yes, and that's how it mixed together. And so um, one of my walks mm -hmm. in the morning or afternoons, whenever I, I just need to get out and walk, 
will be to the library so I can have more of the that feeling. Those um, moments. Those They're moments. Yes. Yes. And it just helps to put me in a different frame of mind. So then again, um, in Malcolm stating about these communities and their way that they are built and what we have in them. And I and um, Bridget, uh, Bridget Monroe, she always corrects me in saying it's not affordable housing, but it's housing which is affordable. Right. And it's it's to give us that efficacy for mm-hmm. those who, um, you know, are in housing, which is affordable um, we just want people to feel valued at, at any level when we start to think about that quality of life. So then we come over to to Patrick, he was a, who's a mural, muralist, paints on on cars, paints on canvas, <laughs> paints on boats, paints on his hat that he's wearing. Oh, you painted that? Yeah. Oh, dope. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. looking at that when we uh, arrived. No, like, that's a dope hat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then all of you, you're now passing this on. You're teaching what you have learned and what you have gained, and you are passing this on. To me, mentorship is just one of the most ultimate factors of when we're speaking about leadership. And art, seeing art in the community and what that does, how it evokes, how it transforms, and how important that is. Touch on that a little bit more, Patrick, please. The importance of art is... It's like breathing air because but, but one of the things that I feel it's important to address, especially for the art community that decides upon who gets to create a monument, who gets to create a mural. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. There is a monument of Martin Luther King. It's a giant white monument. Mm-hmm. This monument, something of this magnitude, should have been chosen by an artist of color. An artist who can relate to who Martin Luther King was, what he fought for. But that sculpture was done by a Chinese sculptor. There's nothing wrong with a Chinese sculptor, except though the credibility of a black artist being able to do or create a statue of this magnitude, that confidence is not there for us. They believe if we were the ones who build it, it would fall apart. So that sort of mind frame, we as artists, we as the architects, we have to begin to change that. How do we do that? We do that by starting to utilize our knowledge. I went to one of the best art schools in the world and I'm certain you went to schools that are relevant. And we have the same ability as that person who created a statue of such magnitude. One of the things that's going to take place in Orlando, may I, if I may? I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) January 7th is going to be a gala announcing the opening of a museum entitled Novice Museum of Arts. Reason for the S's, uh, plurals, is because we're going to cover all aspects of arts. The founder, Fallon Millington, and I'm the co-founder, The reason for this museum and the first gala is going to be featuring master artists as well as novice artists. Why? When you have a master artist's work in the same room as a novice artist, you're telling this novice artist, you too can. Yes. And this novice artist has this in his resume saying, 
I have exhibited with an artist right. of magnitude. I I don't want to um, partake in, in exhibiting my work that day because I want to leave those walls for people that have never had an opportunity. There was a man, Salvador Dali. Do you know why you know that name today? <laughs> tell us, tell us. Because Salvador Dali self-promoted himself. Nobody gave him a break. Salvador Dali was a filmmaker. Salvador Dali did everything he's done with his weird mustache <laughs> to uphold himself. So we can use that as an example and begin to give opportunities where we can. Because if we are a voice... If I'm here at this radio station, Miss Barbara invited us to speak, is because we are an authority. Mm. So Novice Museum of Arts is going to be a place where, and I'm thinking we may not even need a building. We take it around the world mm. because around the world there are people of color and artists who's never had an opportunity to be presented the right way. <laughs> Funny thing, mm. one of the artists asked me, oh, Mr. Nose, uh, how much do we have to pay to 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 put some painting in your show? No, <laughs> sir, you don't have to pay. When you are part of an of a gallery of a prominent gallery that's respected, you don't pay. You're bringing them money. Right. <laughs> How am I going to pay you? Oh, pay thirty five dollars per painting per for you know we'll put you on site. Get out of town, yeah. Brooklyn. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> so it is up to us to educate. So the importance of art, as you said, when you do a mural in a city and a community, mm -hmm. that mural is is a reflection of who lives there. Mm -hmm. You know, I did a mural in Saint Petersburg, and and I went back about ten years later to look at the mural. The mural, for some reason, was still fresh because I used quality stuff. Mm -hmm. So which broke their their taboo. Oh, a black person is gonna do this; it's gonna fall apart. Mm. So if we the people knows how to, it is our time to start finding those youngsters and say, you too can. And funny, amongst those novice artists are men that are older than I am, mm. that are more talented than I am, has never been given the opportunity, the benefit of the yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very passionate about this thing. I, I may die poor, but I will leave a legacy that says you too have that ability. Absolutely. Did you see the uh, new mural in Paramore recently? No. no. Did, did? Yeah, check it out. It's over by um, uh, by the arena. Okay. Uh, close by the arena. Yeah, they uh, actually was um, the the lead painter was a white woman. However, they uh, hired four young black women to so help good. her paint okay. it. Okay. Yeah, and design it and everything. Awesome. So it was beautiful. Awesome. I gotta go check it out. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. I'm, I'm trembling because I'm so passionate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so when does um, the museum open? When's your opening? The the main the main uh, building of the structure, we're using my studio. I have, we have an art studio also. It's nice. called Nose Art Studio. That is the headquarters for the, we, we are trying to obtain a building. Okay. It's no easy task. And as you know. spoke here, about architectural possibilities. Mm. I'm thinking, why should we try to buy an old building and fix it? Why not, you know, <laughs> find a way to That's right. build it from yeah. scratch and yeah. exactly the way we want it. Absolutely. But right now, 
this is the, the main announcement. We've been blessed with a, with a space. Uh, one of the people who've blessed us with space is Junan British. British. I, I have to say her name in, in, in Creole, in French or Creole, mm. so that it's, it's proper credit is given. Junan British. Mm. She's an extraordinary woman <laughs> in the community. And through her knowledge, she's obtained a giant building of which she's trying to transform it to something huge and allowed us a space that has the capacity of 500 people or more nice. to display the work of novice artists. And when I say novice, oftentimes when, 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 when a, a black person talk about anything, they call it, they already label it black. Right. So when you do that, you've, you've telling the other cultures, you're not welcome. It's not a black thing. It's a museum for novice. If you're white, black, blue, yellow, and mm. brown, if you're a novice, you're part of this. Don't exclude yourself from greatness. Mm. Don't exclude yourself from things that are happening because you feel you're not welcome. Right. You are as welcome as you want to be. I've always said to my friends, when because I'm from Brooklyn, mm. certain parts in Brooklyn you can't go to because you get chased by you know the young fellas, the young white kids. But I would go. I would go on a bicycle because, for one, it's not your place. Did you build it? No. Right. You <laughs> found it here. So when we begin black, white, Blue, white, I'm sure Martians are coming soon. <laughs> They'll probably be blue. <laughs> Don't. Uh, <laughs> Don't encourage that. I know, right? <laughs> but we need to stop restricting ourselves. It hardened, it hurts my heart when I see a great ex exhibit, a great function at Heritage Center, a great function, but yet there is that self-segregation. Mm. We have to stop that. When we speak, because something says the word, and that's why I encourage people, when you do something, you don't have to say black. It's asking, what time is the three o'clock parade? You already know, know it's three o'clock, so right. if you're coming to something that Patrick knows is having, Patrick knows is what color again? Black. So there are gonna be some black things there, black people there, but it doesn't mean you need to exclude yourself. Mm. But when we begin to, to include the world, you know, then we've gotten rid of what? Racism, mm. the difference between people. Because I could learn from your culture as much as you could learn from mine, you know? Absolutely. So. Excellent. Excellent. So we're, you're listening to Our Seat, Our Table. We're about to wrap this thing up. So BAM, Orlando, Cameron, Malcolm, how can the community support you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they connect to you? Absolutely. Uh, so far as connection is concerned, uh, bamorlando.org is our website uh, that has all of our social media links on there as well. Uh, so Instagram, Facebook, and uh, no LinkedIn, sorry, uh, has uh, yeah. Black Art, just search Black Architects in the Making or bam.orlando. Uh, Support-wise, so we do throughout the first half of the year, so that's about February to July, uh, we do workshops, our workshops. Uh, we will never and have never uh, charged a student for to participate in any of our uh, activities or workshops, and we do not plan on doing so anytime mm -hmm. soon. So, therefore, we uh, only thrive off of the support of the community. Uh, so that that's through sponsorships and, and donor dollars. 
So uh, we are always open. Uh, we are a full-fledged nonprofit 501c3 status. Uh, so you can that is a tax write-off for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. So we we do our workshops. Um, that's our main uh, catalyst to to con- connect and engage with students. Uh, we'll take a very simple aspect of architecture, something like sketching. Uh, or model making, and we'll create entire activity around it. Uh, all of our workshops are hands-on and engaging. And then we also have an internship program that we started this year. Uh, so we have about four architecture firms on board at the moment, um, and that's uh, powered by Career Source of Career Source of Central Florida. And so they will they have a youth internship program, and they essentially uh, help students get placed at different companies. And uh, we specifically get students placed at architecture firms that we're partnered with. And so uh, that's a five-week program during the summer. The students get paid by career source, and then we, they just get a full experience of just what architects uh, kind of go through on a daily basis. And then the lastly, we have our scholarship program. Uh, so we gave away our first scholarship this year, which I was very proud of. It was only $1,000, but that was the first thousand of many. Absolutely. And so uh, we we uh, we have actually a couple different scholarships. Uh, the first one is the, the BAM scholarship in that is for a graduating high school senior uh, that has been accepted into a school of architecture in the United States uh, or a related field, and that's up to our discretion, but let's say uh, landscape design or interior design, graphic design. Uh, the second scholarship, we actually been uh, granted it by Casa Feliz, mm, uh, which is a historic nice. museum in Winter Park. Uh, they have graciously given us an annual $2,000 scholarship, and that's nice. for a graduating college senior that is in architecture already, so a, a, um, a graduating architecture student. Uh, for their last year, just to give them a little bit of effort, uh, support. Um, Great and, partnerships. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're partnering, and I'll be remiss if I don't mention, so we're actually partnering with a few different uh, entities around uh, Orlando. And even though um, this one that I'm going to say first isn't official on paper, I, I think there were partners as well, uh, but with um, the Annable Square Heritage Center. Absolutely. Um, I love you, Miss Barbara. Love you, too. Winter Park Library, nice. uh, Orlando Science Center, uh, Boys and Girls Club of Central Florida, uh, Orange County Pu- uh, Public Schools Technical College, um, uh, who else? Uh, uh, American Institute of Architecture, Orlando chapter, as well as the Orlando Foundation for Architecture. Um, so those are all official partners of Black Architects in the Making Orlando, and we couldn't be more happy. I don't know if I missed anything. Uh, Cameron, you want to add? No, I think you <laughs> pretty much covered it. Cool, cool, cool. Exactly. We're getting, and so um, we got a few minutes left. Patrick, how can someone contact you as far as the studio? I know that you offer classes currently. Yeah. Uh, the studio is... Nose Art uh, Studio, N-O-Z-E, not S-E. <laughs> um, um, by, just by calling my phone number or going to the website, noseartstudio.com and, uh, or novismuseum.org, which are two separate because Novis is a 501c3, but ways to contact me, um, 407-953-0200 or by Googling my name. Patrick knows N-O-Z-E okay excellent Excellent. so once again our seat our table the leadership lounge you heard from Malcolm Jones 
Cameron Hoskins with BAM Orlando, Black Architects in the Making. And you also heard from Patrick Nose, Haitian artist, uh, local artist here all about town. My name is Barbara Chandler. We are so always excited to be able to bring you this kind of information as far as what is happening in our local community and the people who are making it happen. We thank you for your agency. We thank you for your commitment. And in one word, leadership. What does leadership leadership mean to you strength uh following say that again following following yeah dedication demonstration <laughs> dedication dedication for me it's demonstration mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so once again join us here again next friday from nine to ten um you can also catch us on spotify the shows will be uploaded to spotify so um or um thank you i don't know what else to say here kalani yeah, thank you. Thank you for your services. Thank you for being here at 9 a.m. or before. You were here before 9. So thank you so much, my dear. 